once again, welcome and greetings from Elfie's World. This is the place where we, well, we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. Oh, I'm so glad you decided to join us. Now, today, we're presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. These are true stories which have often well, been excluded from the pantheon of history for, eh, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. Today, we're featuring a story that I truly hope you enjoy. It is episode number 27, and it is entitled, Queen of the Quill. So, kick back, relax, <laughs> and enjoy. She was called a legend, electrifying, flamboyant, and ahead of her time. She was the first female stockbroker and banker on Wall Street, the first publisher to print Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, and the first woman to run for President of the United States, 48 years before women won the right to vote. Now, do you remember reading about her in your uh, high school history classes? No? Well, you should have. Her name was Victoria Claflin Woodhull. She was born into her family's traveling medicine show in 1832 in the town of Homer, Ohio. While still in her 20s, with an infant child to support, she divorced a drunken and abusive husband and set out on her own. At the age of 30, Victoria and her sister, Tennessee Claflin, invaded the wild world of high finance by becoming the first female stockbrokers and bankers Wall Street had ever seen. They quickly turned a $7,000 loan from Cornelius Vanderbilt into a $700,000 fortune, the equivalent of over $18 million today. Never lacking for courage, Victoria, who was a single parent at the time, decided to take on the biggest game in town. On May 10th, 1872, she accepted the nomination to run for President of the United States by the newly formed Equal Rights Party. Women would not even gain the right to vote until the ratification of the 19th Amendment in 1920, almost five decades later. And uh, what was the platform she aggressively endorsed? Well, in addition to advocating women's suffrage, she strongly supported short skirts for women, spiritualism, free love, vegetarianism, birth control, and prostitution. <laughs> uh, needless to say, she lost. It was at this time that Victoria and her sister decided to enter the rugged world of journalism by starting their own newspaper. 
they soon became known as the Queens of the Quill because of the exposés in their newspaper which exposed stock swindles, insurance frauds, and corrupt congressional land deals. But above all else, their newspaper addressed the issues that concerned women's rights with a frankness well, that, that was unusual for that period of time. They promoted a vision that women could and should live as men's equal in the workplace, political arena, at church, and even, <laughs> horrors of horrors, in the bedroom. This was outright heresy for that day and age. They even took on the most famous religious leader of the time, Reverend Henry Ward Beecher. Now, the righteous Reverend Beecher was not only the brother of Harriet Beecher Stowe, the renowned author of Uncle Tom's Cabin, he was also the leading proponent of puritanical conduct, living a pure and chaste life. <laughs> but this did not stop Victoria and her sister from disclosing the uh, <clears throat> good reverend's various sexual peccadilloes, including a romantic tryst with the wife of his best friend, parishioner, and biographer, Theodore Tilton. And so, uh, what happened to our nation's first truly emancipated woman? Well, not surprisingly, the Queens of the Quill and their newspaper soon became the target of so-called reformers, such as Anthony Comstock, who charged them with libel and slander, stating that they were a danger to decent society. After spending several weeks in jail and paying out over $60,000 in bail money, Victoria and her sister were eventually found innocent of all charges. Victoria then decided to launch into a public speaking career. Because of her divergent viewpoints on a host of subjects, she held her audiences spellbound, uh, despite being called Mrs. Satan. She, she did espouse some well, rather controversial viewpoints. Now, on the one hand, she espoused eugenics, the forcible sterilization of those she considered unfit to breed. On the other hand, she was a staunch advocate for prenatal care as a way to bear healthy children and prevent giving birth to children with mental and physical defects. But then this glorious comet began to fade. After the death of Admiral Cornelius Vanderbilt, as he liked to be called, in 1877, Vanderbilt's oldest son, William, paid Victoria and her sister, Tennessee, $1,000 each, the equivalent to about $25,000 today, to leave the country. Now, purportedly, because of their close personal relationship with Admiral Vanderbilt, his son was worried that 
what they might reveal if they were allowed to testify at the hearings on the distribution of the elder Vanderbilt's vast estate. And so the sisters moved to Great Britain in August of 1877. Eventually, they each married wealthy men and lived out the rest of their lives in comfort and relative obscurity, only occasionally returning to the United States. Establishing residency at the village of Braden in West England, Victoria built a village school with the help of her sister, Tennessee, and her daughter, Zula. Through her work at that school, she soon became a champion for educational reform in schools throughout England, with the adding of a kindergarten curriculum. Victoria died peacefully at her home in 1927 at the age of 88. Victoria Claflin Woodhull always said that during her life she tried to use existing laws and the political system to create a more egalitarian society. <laughs> well, regardless of what one may think of her political views, she did indeed leave a legacy that was amazing and revolutionarily true. Well, there you have it. Episode number 27, entitled Queen of the Quill. It's part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week, we feel privileged to present for your entertainment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true accounts from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, hey, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And that includes shipping and handling anywhere within the United States. Now, for more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Hoyne Tomish for the Piano Introduction. Dee Demizic for Breakfast Piano Jingle. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. <laughs>